0: Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, and a big, high-energy hello for a big, high-energy podcast, Dave. Hey, guys! (laughs) (laughs) You've taken me by surprise there. That was the second take with that, and last time you did the joke of doing a a very low-energy hello, so you've caught me on the back foot there. Um Last week, we spoke before the Rotherham game. We've obviously played twice since then. So it's Huddersfield Town 2, Rotherham United 0 and Huddersfield Town 1, Luton Town 2. We'll start with Rotherham because I think out of the three games in this sort of festive run, Dave, that was the big one. That was the big must win. Obviously, any points you can get anywhere else in Town's position um, or in any position, really, uh, you, you don't say no to. So disappointing for them to lose against Luton. But Rotherham was the big one wasn't it with it being a six-pointer and they won it fairly comfortably which was great to see.
1: Uh, Yeah they did it was um, we'll get into the specifics a bit but I think it's the most um, Huddersfield town have looked this season like Carlos Cormoran's Huddersfield town in that they were just very efficient in most areas of the pitch and sort of a a drama three 2-0 win you know we 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 joked at half-time and said just get the get the job done early second half and then relax for half an hour and they only went and did it didn't they I
0: know it's it's unbelievable um I, I think there are a few players in that game who had their best performances of the season Jordan Rhodes even before he got the goal we were we were singing his praises thought he had a really good game playing as the lone striker um Dwayne Holmes as in all three games played some of his best football in a town shirt he's been really really important for them this week uh, he obviously opened the scoring for Rhodes got the second Kane Hayden was instrumental in that game David Kasumu, I thought was really good Helic and Lee's both really good uh, and Jonathan Hogg in the middle making it all tick it was and Jack Rodoni up the right hand side Um was, I think, frustrating at times. I, th- I, I think there's some people out there who are still unconvinced by Jack Radoni, but my take on him in that game is I spent all season criticising him for playing well but not having any end product. And then in this game, I think there are moments where he didn't play well but he ultimately played a big part in both of the goals and created their next best two chances as well. So you'd rather have yeah. that than the other way around. Um, it was a must win yeah. that they must won.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting to have the conversation with Rodoli because I, I I still don't know exactly what he is, Steve. I don't know if he's a if he's an 8, if he's a 10, if he's a winger. I, I'm I'm genuinely not uh sure what his best position is yet. And I I think that's perhaps part of the problem in terms of the fans maybe in that he looks he looks okay <laughs> everywhere he's played so far, but he's not looked really really good anywhere. And I feel like he needs to kind of settle into a position. I kind of like him out wide because yeah. I, I think with Cosimo and Hogg in the middle, I think it gave him a platform to not worry about having to drop back and cover. And he just had a lot more license to to, to roam and get forward and a lot more confidence to take men on. And then I thought, you know, I don't want to skip ahead, but I also thought his set piece delivery has clearly been working on it without Sauber on the pitch. And I thought his set-piece delivery was absolutely excellent as well. So, yeah, he's an interesting player, Jack Rodona. I I completely get a lot of people's frustrations with him, and I think you're exactly right. The Rotherham game was basically his Huddersfield Town career to date in that you kept seeing these sort of moments of real quality and class, but then there were also moments where he looked you know, every inch like a young League One footballer. So, yeah, he's an interesting player.
0: Yeah, I, I think I like him on that right wing and I like him particularly. I think, weirdly, he and Kessler Hayden were sort of driving me mad for 15, 20 minutes because they just weren't on the same page at all until midway through the first half and then suddenly it just seemed to click for them um, and, mm-hmm. and they started playing really well as a partnership. And We'll get on to Silva Thomas later because I think there's a wider discussion to be had there but I think there's obvious parallels between playing the left-footed Jack Rodoni uh, as sort of a... A right sided 10, um, and mm. and then Kessler Hayden as a, the right wing back is, is quite similar to what we saw, we saw with Silva Thomas and Donel Sinani last year, where you have a wing back who wants to go on the outside, and you have uh, sort of the right winger stroke number 10, who's sort mm. of coming into more central positions, which is being mirrored on the other side by, by Dwayne Holmes. I think we talked a bit last week about the system, the 3 4 2 1. I feel like. That system and and Holmes and Radoni. That is, I think that's the best role for both of them, playing as sort of number tens who have licence to either go wide or to to come into the middle. And we've seen how they've got the fruits from that with Dwayne Holmes's goals and Jack Radoni's assists.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. I th- I think the The system is an interesting one because I, I I'm still not totally convinced it's a system that Mark Fotheringham wants to play, but I think it's a system that he's come across that fits his current set of players. He admitted as so much. I, he,
0: he told us in the press conference it wasn't yeah. sort of by design, but he sort of stumbled on this formation that works and and it works. So why not yeah. stick with it?
1: I mean, if he if he keeps town up and has a summer to recruit, etc., I'd be staggered if they line up next season with the three at the back. I think he wants a four at the back. Mm. But it's kind of working, and it it provides a little bit of cover in areas that they need cover. And Rotherham was was, I think we have to make the caveat that both me and you thought Rotherham absolutely stank the place out. I think they they were they they looked doomed to me, Steve. I mean, they started the season really really well, and I was really I was quite bullish about them because I think Paul Warren had them. So well organised and playing a certain way, but you know Warn's gone and they just look a shadow. <laughs> they mm-hmm. look a shadow of the side at the start of the season, and they're losing players to injury. They were there for the taking. Now that's not to sort of denigrate Town's victory or anything like that, but they were there for the taking. If Town hadn't have won that game, me and you would have had to have Roy Kingdom because you know you you, you <laughs> rather one of the poorest sides I've seen there this season. So. But I, I thought, I thought what was interesting is they were quite, town were quite sort of clinical and efficient in a way they just haven't been, and I think, like a lot of people are still not convinced about Mark Fotheringham, and it's certainly not me or yours job to convince them about Mark Fotheringham on behalf of the club or anyone else or anything like that. I think me and you still have doubts over certain areas but when a team looks more organized and looks more efficient like that that is down to coaching <laughs> you know that that is you can't get away from that fact
0: yeah i think first of all you're right to make that caveat about Rotherham being poor, but I think we need to bear in mind that Town already this season had lost to Rotherham, they'd lost to Wigan, they'd lost to Blackpool. Yeah. You know, earlier in the season, they, they were losing to teams who were there for the taking. So you can't really give them anything but praise for, for turning the corner on that and, and delivering a victory against Rotherham. But yeah, I think I think Fotheringham, you know, we've been saying for a while, he's got them more organised. Um and we'll have some criticisms on that front when we get to the Luton game but i think on the whole you know the xg shows it the stats show it the the actually you don't even need to look at xg you can just look at goals against when you look at town where town were in the first 8 to 10 games of the season sort of really to be honest 8 to 15 games of the season. Yeah. Uh and where they've been the last 11 games it's it's night and day. It's not to say that they're faultless um as we saw against Luton as we saw in the goal they conceded against Preston against Watford but they're a lot better than they were and and as far as the bottom half teams go they they're currently sort of the best defensive side in that bottom half of the table which should stand them in good stead in these six pointers. Um, I think as well you mentioned sort of praising the coach in there I think there is something to be said in that and we mentioned touched on it last week but the players that have that he's left out and then brought back in have been better when they've come back in yeah. um, which I think speaks well of the work that's going in on the training ground because it's not like those players have built themselves up over game time they've built themselves up over time on the training pitch you know uh, particularly Kane Kessler-Hayden but also you know Dwayne Holmes, Jordan Rhodes um, and well Jonathan Hogg (laughs) I think we know doesn't you know he's going to be a consummate pro whoever's in the dugout but um, you know he's been a massive figure since he's come back from injury as well so I think there are positive signs there and you know they were much more we talked against after the Preston game about how much more clinical they were and they've continued that they've massively outperformed their xG they've scored 5 open play goals in these 3 games which is more than they'd scored in the previous 16 um so you take the the positives there um but I think it does come with another caveat or word of the word of the week this week is caveat Um, that, you know, outperforming XG tends not to last and they do need to be creating more chances, don't they?
1: (sighs) The Eternal had a town problem. It really is. I mean, you could... I could make a fairly uh, well-constructed argument that the season they got promoted, <laughs> they needed to create more chances. It's just it's always been the perennial Huddersfield Town problem under every manager of the of modern times. I, I do, I think they're being much more progressive now. Yeah, I think there's much more forward passing. I mean, the the, the lack of forward passing was absolutely killing them at one point. They are passing forward. They are making. I think one of the big differences is that they're, they're attempting risk passes now, which is something that I've been banging along on about for a long time. And they need to do so much more of. They're nowhere near doing enough. But calculated like,
0: risks as well, not just hopeless. Yeah, You yeah. y-
1: you need you need somebody who's trying to play the ball in behind, who's trying to thread the needle, who's, who's trying to make things happen. And um, they are trying to do that, but they don't necessarily have an, have a natural fit for that type of player but i i think that there are things you can sort of point to and say okay well that's that's definitely down to you know they're being they're being coached better and you can see the results that i think there are other reasons beyond that though i think there are players who i can't really say it any other way but there are players i i think have probably had to realize that when you're 24th in the league you can't blame managers yeah. for everything. everything. There comes a yeah. point where, where you've got to look at yourselves and go, "Hang on a sec, we're we're twenty fourth here," and I think there has been a bit of that. So we're suddenly seeing an uplift in one or two players. You know, I'm I'm going to name him, but Dwayne Holmes has as night and day from where he was the last time they played, <laughs> Brooklyn, for instance. <laughs> he
0: was doing your editing, wasn't he, uh, uh, before this run like of games?
1: like you wouldn't believe. Um and he's still an incredibly frustrating player. I, I I think you're right. I think he's been good over this run. I'm not quite as high on him as summer and in both games I think it's taken the goal to actually get him playing. I think he was I think he was awful until the goal yesterday. But there's a definite uplift there and I think that like we have to we've we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago that thoroughly depressed both of hmm. us. But I think now even in light of the Luton uh, the Luton defeat, which we'll come on to, you know they've had a very good week. Six points out of these these nine is a is a brilliant return, isn't a, a superb return. So, yeah, I th- I think there are there are encouraging signs, but stuff like that, you know, you're exactly right. They've they've got to keep trying to create more they've got to get to the point where they're scoring I've said it before on here a few times people probably bored to bored of me saying it but they've got to create the chances that other teams create against them you know they, they've they got to start making stuff work through the middle it's uh, but yeah you know I, I certainly feel a lot higher on certain players and certain people, and Mark Fothering himself, than I did a fortnight ago. Steve, put it that way.
0: Speaking of a lot higher, I think they're doing better defensive work in the opposition half now as well, which is yeah. which is going a very long way. Not just not just in not just defensively, but I, I mean, you got a direct example of it against Rotherham of how it can lead to mm. goals because you see Hogg and Radoni go pressing the Rotherham. I think it's their left left wing back. Um, and he gives the ball away to Holmes, who intercepts, and then just sort of runs through and scores. And, you know, that's the whole point of gagging pressing is to get goals out of those kinds of moments.
1: Yeah, the press is quite clearly something they've been working on. I mean, if nothing else, we're not immune to all the stories that are coming out of the training pitch about them doing lots and lots of work on their fitness, etc., you don't need to sort of listen to rumours etc you you can see the fruits of that labour now they look so much fitter that they are able to press a lot higher and then if they don't win the ball they can drop into position a lot better without leaving huge gaps all over the pitch which is what was happening before and that's that's a big significant thing Steve I think that is it's you can't you know that's not to be sniffed at really or written off and I think that they've also been working on how to play through a press because I think the one thing about Rotherham, we have said they were awful but their press at the start was really really good and it was very proactive and it was very high and Town were really good at just picking them off and picking the space and using the midfielders properly and getting Jonathan Hogg to turn and actually play the ball forward, which is what, you know, he likes doing. It's what he converted to doing under Carlos Colborough and ultimately, you know, he became a little bit of a passing midfielder. So getting back to that, I think, is, is an important thing. Um, but yeah, the, the press, I think, is the one... If you were to say to me what is the one single difference I just don't think they pressed under Danny Schofield. They tried to. Yeah. But they were they were undercooked, underfit and mm-hmm. just didn't do it as a unit whereas now you can't say that can you?
0: No, I think what Schofield was doing was he was trying to sort of have his cake and eat it by having them pressing high. But also saying, oh, but the centre-backs need to stay back so we don't get done yeah. on the counter. But that just makes it worse because you end up then with a massive sort of 40-yard gap between your midfield yeah. and your back line, which, you know, you go back and watch that Burnley game, the amount of times they got... And we know Burnley are, you know, they're top of the league, but um, the, number, the amount of space they had was, was shocking. Fotheringham has got the, the back three pushing up basically to the halfway line now. And as soon as the opposition look to play it forward, they'll drop back 10 yards um, and go and defend. And that comes with its risks as as we saw against um, Watford and we got sort of an early um, threat against Luton as well where Adebayo got the run on on Will Boyle. You know, I, I, I like, you know, we, we like the back three. Um, we'll get on to Will Boyle in a bit, but in general, we like the back three, uh, particularly when Matty Pearson comes back in, but none of them particularly blessed with pace. They are going to get done in those moments at times. Um, but um they'll also get goals out of it as we said like the one they got against Rotherham so um yeah i think on balance it, it should make them a better team um that all said we, we then go into the the Luton game don't we um and hmm. they
1: yeah but before it's our
0: word of the week we
1: are going to go into this game in some detail But I'm making a caveat this time, right from the off. Luton are a really good side. They move the ball really well. They had players on the bench who changed the game. They're well coached. They're well drilled. They are a good side. I saw one or two people slightly went off the deep end, but on the whole, I think there was a very appropriate and sensible reaction from most town fans on social media, which was was good to see because... I, had, I think I had Luton down as playoff winners at the start of the season and I, I I, kind of haven't seen anything to change my mind on that, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, and they went ahead, Town. Dwayne Holmes again, um, getting on the score sheet. Um, it, it was uh, an assist for Jack Rodoni, but I'm not sure he particularly intended it to be an assist, <laughs> uh, just a, an under-hit shot. the
1: weakest shot. The weakest shot of all time. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, so they get ahead in that game and um, I think obviously they then they then end up losing the game. And I think I understand Mark Fotheringham being fuming about it um, and I think that was an appropriate response from him as well because... You know, he prides himself on the defensive work first and foremost, and the defensive work for both goals was, was not good was enough. Poor. Little little bit unlucky in that Hellick thought he'd got it off the line and then obviously the referee's watch buzzes, uh turned on this time. Uh the goal line technology at that end. Um but um the watch buzzes and and it's a goal. And then the second goal we know it's you know, there's there's big failures in in the build up to that as well. We are critical of that and we have further criticisms that we'll get into, but I think I was a little bit more generous on on this game than I would have been a few weeks ago. And part of the reason for that is that this is actually the first time that they've lost a game from a winning position this season Um, it hasn't been something that's been a pattern for them they've actually when you look at the the numbers across the league been pretty good at protecting their leads they've been almost exactly as good as they were last season and we know they had issues at times last season but at a certain point they stopped blowing those leads Um, and they were protecting their leads almost as well as last year so if this is something that they repeat then I'll be a lot more critical of it but Given the context that the issue with town is they're protecting leads well, but they're just not taking the lead often enough. They've only done it 10 times this season um, so far. And for me, f- for them to have done that three times in a week, um, I think is more encouraging than it is dismaying that they've then blown one of those leads, as long as that doesn't become a trend. That said, the defending is, is not good enough on those Luton goals.
1: No, it's not. It's nowhere near good enough. I, I think the first goal it, it's also as Mark Fothering pointed to it's also the timing of them Steve yeah. I mean like to to concede five minutes before half time and five minutes before the end is is bad um, I think to concede in the manner they did which is having lots of defenders in the box on both goals but both goals come down to a, a player really being able to pick his spot Yeah, um, is not great I think there's a lot of contributive factors I think we probably need to talk about individuals and I think yeah. we probably need to talk about one to begin with there's a lot of talk around Ruffles and Boyle I think we need to start with Boyle because I I, I think he has qualities and he has uses I think playing three championship games in a week is, as a starter is perhaps not one of them Steve
0: Yeah he he was, I don't think there's any secret that he was signed to be backup, he was signed to play the role Naby Saar played last year where, where you're playing him Ideally, no more than sort of 10 games a season. And if you do, it's because you've had a major injury like Matty Pearson. And I think there's there's been a lot of people saying, because I talked in the conclusions about whether they need someone to replace Hogg, uh, by which I mean... And by which I mean when Hogg is injured or unavailable because he is going to pick up injuries before the end of the season. We we know Mm -hmm. this about him. Um, That's not a criticism, but they don't have anyone with his um, experience to come into that midfield. They have players with similar skill sets, but no one with that level of experience to help coach them through games and coach them through... Um, moments like that. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that they conceded those goals, the first goal, immediately after he went off the pitch. But I didn't highlight, oh, and well, they also need a new left back. Um, I I had highlighted it in the, what they need in this transfer window, um, that they might want to look yeah. at a left back. Um, but I think... <sighs> I think with Boyle in particular, Matty Pearson's going to be back in, in a matter of weeks, and I think Will Boyle has done better than I expected him to. I think he's had a couple of Man of the Match outings um, against QPR and Blackburn. I think he's had more good moments than bad, and it's frustrating on the day when you lose you know, the, the, the Luton winner. Um, from him getting his positioning wrong to begin with and then sort of getting wrong-footed by the cross um, when he should be, you know, one, cutting it out, or if not, staying on his feet and getting in a position to block the shot. He does neither of those things. But I think he's, you know, he is the fourth choice and Matty Pearson's going to be back soon. So I don't see that as sort of an urgent worry at this stage. Um, And on Ruffles, mm, I, I don't think Ruffles is... Great, I think he's been broadly fine. And a lot of people disagree with that, I know. But I think he's been broadly fine. He doesn't block crosses as much as he should do. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Um, But I'd be interested to see how he gets on when he's got a different centre-back next to him. And I know that you feel the same way too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think... It's not, I I don't, I'm not picking on Will Boy when I say this or anything like that, but he is fourth choice and I I do think he, I mean, he just doesn't progress the ball very well at all. So if you talk about all his qualities are to do with defending, okay, because on the ball he's incredibly one-footed, he doesn't want to pass very progressively and I think, you know, he had that rampaging run (laughs) in the first half up the left wing But I think if you were going to play with overlapping centre-backs, Will Boyle is not the man you want for that job, shall we say. And I think the thing with Ruffles, I think Ruffles is a very competent defender who has a couple of obvious failings, but you put them as a pair on that side. Bear in mind, Mm. that was the, um, what, it's the, I think the third game in a row that a team has targeted that side yeah. because of Boyle and Ruffles. It's the so obvious they are, link, isn't it? That side. So they are constantly being, you know, that that's where the, the the threat is is coming from. It's it's difficult for them and I I think Ruffles is a far better player than Boyle in truth. Um I don't think Boyle is a bad player but I think those games where you've talked about him being man of the match what's interesting there is they are the games where defending is forefront yeah. and what you're looking for is somebody to throw themselves in front of the ball, to head the ball clear, to just try and lunge and, and get there, to to just... I, I, I can't really say this without it sounding disparaging. I don't really mean it to be disparaging, but it's your sort of lump of a defender that mm-hmm. you need for those games. Whereas... You know, you look at a Lees and Lees isn't really a lump. He he can pass it progressively. He likes to... He, his dirty work is he likes to get there a couple of seconds before it happens. You know, he, he likes yeah. to... Whereas Will Boyle is a defender who gets there a couple of seconds after it's happened yeah. and does his best to 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 reduce the damage. So, I think... Like, Ruffles is, is fine... In most areas, he's just not particularly exceptional at anything, I don't think. And I think he also, Ruffles struggles with a comparison a bit in that he's not yeah. Harry Toffolo. Um, and people forget that Harry Toffolo was certainly in the top two or three left-backs in that league last season and was the season before and was the half a season before that as well. You know, he was... uh he he gave you an awful lot, Harry Toffolo, on and off the pitch. Let's be honest, and it's it's anybody would struggle with that comparison, really. But I just don't think they can run with that on obvious weakness going forward. I know they're restricted injury yeah. wise with what they can do, but I just don't think you can play Boyle and Ruffles that side and not expect whoever you're playing to basically stick everything down that side and that channel.
0: I think if you had an infinite budget or even a reasonable budget this yeah. January you would sign a new left back wouldn't you we you out for the rest of the season the thing is is that like I think you would ideally like another left back but it's you you need another striker and you need another attack midfielder or a winger far more uh, mm-hmm. and I would argue you need someone for it as experienced cover for Jonathan Hogg far more than you need another left back at this stage I think you you can you can limit the exposure that that will come on a a josh ruffles by looking after the ball better being the team that's on the front foot posing more of a threat to the opposition um so uh, it's not to say i think josh ruffles is sort of you know town's left back for the next three years because i don't think he is um but uh i think there's other priorities uh in the january transfer window that that probably come first um Mm-hmm. I think right-back is an interesting one. They've been linked with Matt Lowton from Burnley. And I do wonder if that sort of move was lined up, thinking Kane Castle-Hayden hadn't been great, Ollie Turton's out for a while, we need another right-back. And then, lo and behold, Kane castle has actually been really good um, and, and a really key player the last few games. So, that might, if that move goes through, then that will end up looking like a bit of an odd one when you need a left-back. But I suspect that was... That was and you said yourself, you want to see Kessler Hayden doing it for a month rather than a week, don't you?
1: yeah uh, definitely, and i am not against them getting um some some covering because like you know ultimately the thing about getting Matt Luton in he's very experienced he's he's you know by all accounts he's a very good. Uh, sort of professional and pro. He's thirty-three years old, so I don't think he would be coming in to sort of necessarily play every ninety minutes anyway. So I can see it from that point of view. I think I'd have Ollie Turton when he's back in a back three over Will Boyle any day of the week anyway. Yeah, if, if hand on heart. So I can Me I can too. kind of see I can kind of see the logic of it. The other thing is Lowton has played not much. But he has covered at left-back on more than one occasion, interestingly. So I do wonder if there is an argument that you could, in some games, because I don't know what his crossing would be like, to be frank, without having to cut inside every time. I don't know if there's some games where you could make the argument or certainly look at potentially at him as, as cover on the left side as well. So... I think it kind of makes sense, and uh, you know, if it's alone till the end of the season, I sort of think, well, yeah, the, uh, I, I can't. I think, okay, yeah, fine, really. Yeah. But Kane Kessler Hayden is is like his first game. He came in and we sat there going, well, he's able to get himself out of trouble a lot because he's just so quick. But now he's so quick and he just feels a bit more robust, doesn't he? He doesn't get bossed around as much. He's He's just able to impose himself on players a little bit more, which is important. And yeah, I mean, selection problems are the right kind of problems sometimes, Steve. Mm. <laughs> and you know, let's let's see how we go on, and let's see if if he can if he can maintain this.
0: He has created another kind of selection problem with Sorba Thomas, and I, we've had a lot of praise for Fotheringham, and, and sort of I think are likely to continue to do so if they keep winning these six-pointers, etc. Uh, I think there's obvious improvements that he's made, but I do think he got his subs wrong against Luton. Um, I think the thing to have done... I, I understand taking... You know, Solber Thomas is your best player on that bench on paper, so you put him on and you think, well, this this will... You know, he's the first cab off the rank and we, can put, we know Rodoni can do well in midfield, etc. I think the issue was... One, I think they needed someone a bit more defensively solid, just to, even if mm. just to get them through to half time and then you bring Sorba on. Um, but I don't think Rodoni actually did anything wrong in central midfield. I think it was more just that they lost him on the right wing where he'd actually been playing quite well. And Sorba Thomas came on initially to play on that side and was rubbish. <laughs> um, so yeah. that, I think, hindsight is twenty twenty. But I think that was the wrong move, and I'm not sure if at that stage of the half, at one nil, Fotheringham would necessarily do that again.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't have bought sober on. I'd, I'd have bought. I'd have got Cameron on. and I think what didn't help the uh, optics of that was when Camera came on. I thought he was excellent. I thought he was really. Are we, are, good we when camera, came are we
0: camera are we camera now not Kamara. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, people know my pronunciations all over the place but I'm I, ultimately Steve I'm from Brighton so you know technically that's a different country to Yorkshire isn't yeah, it so right. I'm, I can get away with this sort of stuff
0: <laughs> yeah I thought Kamara did his work really well and he he almost mm. put Ruffles through to get an equaliser uh, and people were groaning at Ruffles that, that he actually does well to get onto that ball Ruffles but the defender just gets there as he gets his shot it wasn't a scuffed shot it was actually blocked nah. just as he hits it so but um, yeah yeah I th- I,
1: I, it's worth just going back a step though and just saying that that game changed when Johnny Hogg went yeah, off of he, course. he was hogg was exceptional that first sort of 25 yeah. minutes he was how town set up was basically to just try and control the space and be really compact and not let Luton play through the middle what Luton were trying to do is isolate against Boyle on that side and it, it did happen at one time and town was slightly fortunate to get away with that mm. But Hogg was so important to doing that and getting them organised and getting the wing-backs to come in and actually, uh, you know, make it really narrow. And when he went off, you just saw that the the shape of Town's team changed and th- that wasn't intentional. You know, you yeah. I saw Mark Fothering was going mad about it just before half-time and I saw him going mad about it in the second half as well. Um, and, like... <sighs> Jonathan Hogg we've I wouldn't say we've criticised Jonathan Hogg but we've pointed out that there, at the stage of his career and in certain systems there are things he can't do Steve and there have been times where me and you have said if they're going to play this way Jonathan Hogg is not the man to play in that midfield mm. in this system under Mark Fotheringham Hogg is absolutely key he's, he's the most important player yeah he's absolutely vital and since coming back from injury as soon as he's got himself up to speed he's been brilliant, you know there's no other word for it, he's he's just, he's made things tick, he's got people organised he's got, and it's even the little things like just getting people to face the right way, I've seen him do it, screaming at people to turn and face attacking positions so they can play it forward and when he went off that was when the game changed, that was the, the turning point of the game and um it would be interesting to see how that game would have gone without that injury, but he walked off. We watched him walk off absolutely fine. We watched him walk down the tunnel absolutely fine. You asked the question in the presser after, how is he? And they said he just had tight calves, And but it was the right thing to do to come off at that point. They just need to give him the weekend off, for the FA Cup, yeah. wrap him in cotton wool and just try and keep him, for for as many championship games as they can, that they want to play this system and want to play this way, they just have to put him in bubble wrap from the final whistle to the, to the first whistle of the next game.
0: A couple of weeks ago we were sort of wondering what is the best midfield for town because we weren't sure, um, you know, because... I, yeah. think it's, I think it has to be two out of three of Hogg, Kasumu and Kamara I, I think they're probably not got enough going forward between the three of them to play as a three uh, I might mm. I might end up being mistaken on that but that's my gut feeling on it uh, I think Hogg and Kamara want to be playing more or less the same role um, but uh, I think Hogg and Kasumu is looking like the best one at the moment by a by mile. Like, it's it's the closest thing they had to Hogan O'Brien last season. And we've said all season that, that people, I think, mistakenly thought Rodoni was the O'Brien replacement. He absolutely isn't. Kasumu is the O'Brien replacement in terms of winning the ball, carrying the ball forward, um, and uh, and not offering a lot in the final third. But there you go. Um, <laughs> but um, but no, I think, I think, you know, compare Jonathan Hogg next to David Kasumu to Jonathan Hogg next to John Russell and yeah. and you know that's not a, a knock on Jonathan Hogg it's you know it's it's complementary flavors isn't it you know you wouldn't put sugar on a hot dog uh, <laughs> so and that doesn't mean the hot dog's bad or that the sugar is bad but you know it, it doesn't work together so
1: you you might if you're american yeah um, well
0: they put sugar in it it's probably in the bread isn't it for them but you know
1: he, he likes american things now um, yeah, I, I, the other thing is, like, you look on paper, and me and you probably before the start of the season would have said you probably don't want Hogg and Kasumu together for for various reasons, and yet yellow it, card. It's just <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it just works. You know, it it does just work, and in that in that three four two one, you need those two players with those, like you say, complementary flavours, one playing a bit deeper, one with licence to go and win it, play higher in the press, try and carry the ball forward, the other to sit in a protective role and to sort of have the game in front of him and organise, it frees up your wing backs and it frees up your attacking players, you see, because it gives them a platform, they're not constantly got one eye over their shoulder and yeah, I, I did think that Town got their setup right, they got their organisation right. It was just the key moment was Hog going off. It just changed the whole profile of that game and it gave, you know, you could see Luton grow into it and at the end, I mean, I saw a few people saying a point would have been a fair result. I, I think at the mm-hmm. end Luton did just shade it because they were really starting to... Their, their passing was just a lot quicker and a lot more incisive and Town just sort of lost that... They lost their momentum and they lost their. You you just, <laughs> you just felt them sort of slightly deflate second yeah. half. Things but, started
0: breaking down on the edge of the final third again, as yeah. they did earlier earlier this season, didn't they?
1: Yeah, but again, not to labour a point, Luton are going to be. I think they're definitely a top six side, and I think they might be a top four side. You know, I think they might finish in that third or fourth spot. So they are certainly at the higher end of of opposition that's going to come to the John Smiths this stadium this year in my humble opinion
0: i think yeah there is some context that we need to have which is in the last 11 games they've lost 5 um, but those are against the teams currently in second, third, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and they've also beaten the team in fourth and drawn with the team in eighth. I think when we get into the reverse fixtures for a lot of these games towards the end of the season, um, they're going to have to have a better return than that, obviously. Um, but I think when you consider where Town were coming from and their position, you know, if Town last season were there or thereabouts, she second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. You would have expected to beat the team sitting in the bottom three, and you'd be yeah. you'd think it was a disgrace if they didn't. Um, Where Town are going to survive, uh, or at least give themselves a chance of surviving over the next few weeks, is beating Rotherham, beating Blackpool, beating Hull, beating Bristol City, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And you know, Wigan as well, obviously. Mm. Um, they've won one of them they've got three extra points against Preston that I don't think we expected them to get so I think while there's obviously concerns raised from Luton and there's you know there's still problems I think we're feeling a lot better now than we did before Christmas and we feel a lot more reassured that they can go and get victories out of those games and that they are you know they don't need to be better than Luton at this stage they just need to be better than Rotherham, Wigan, and Blackpool and I think hopefully they should be um, even with all these issues yeah. we're talking about There are,
1: we've always kind of maintained sort of in private, there are worse teams than Huddersfield in this league. The problem is, there wasn't necessarily teams playing worse than Huddersfield were at that moment in time. And the thing is, a fairly good template for getting out of this is being defensively sound, being really well organised and across the pitch, pressing well and trying a forward pass and at the moment, all four of those boxes are getting ticked. Now, don't get me wrong, we need to see more of it, that we're not for a second saying everything is perfect, but for the first time, it feels like the needles are shifting the right way with a bit of foundation to it. They, I said in the Facebook Live after that game, there are various points of this season where Town would have lost that game, 4-0, 3-0 or 2-0, and not really being in it at any point either. You know, they were they lost that game two one. It was a late goal. They were the better side until Jonathan Hogg went off. <sighs> you've got to you've got to have a bit of context around it, haven't you? That's yeah. the thing. Um, we need to
0: talk about Silver Thomas, though. We touched on him and we've been skirting around it, but he's he's been in poor form. We know that he does have these little streaks where he'll hit a, a poor run and then he comes good again. Uh, hopefully, he will come good again, but. At the moment, he's out at the side. He's not impressed from the bench. And uh, I'll write a piece about this later in a week. I'm off till Wednesday, uh, recording a podcast for you on my day off. Don't say I never do anything for you. Um, but um, no, we, I mean I looked at and these. I need to put a big word of the week again. Big caveat on uh, <laughs> on on this because this. These kinds of stats can be very deceptive, and I don't put a huge amount of stock in them, but I always think they're interesting to look at. The record when a player is on the pitch, the team's record when a player is on the pitch versus their record when a player is off the pitch. And (laughs) Huddersfield Town's record when Sorba Thomas is on the pitch, he is pretty... (laughs) Uh, dreadful compared with their record when he's not on the pitch at the moment. Um, he, out of all the players that have played more than, you know, sort of 400 minutes this season, an arbitrary number, yeah, um, but to, you know, draw it somewhere, um, played more than about 20% of their minutes. He has they have the worst minutes per goal scored um with him on the pitch, 122 minutes per goal um with him on the pitch. Um the best is Tino Andrian, one every seventy-four minutes. Kane Kessler Hayden, one every seventy-four minutes, interestingly. Um and they're not great defensively with Sorber on the pitch as well. I think that's a different thing to saying this is Sorber thomas's fault because he hasn't actually missed that many minutes. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, so it's a very small sample size for when he's off the pitch. But it's an interesting picture because you were saying the other day, Dave, someone was asking us about Kane versus Sorba. And you were saying you look at his stats, his key key passes, his assists, etc. And he's mild ahead of everyone else. Uh, Not so much on the assists now because Jack Radoni has has got a few. But... um, and he is, and yet the team record seems to be better without him. Where do you see? How do you see that happening?
1: Well, firstly, it forces everybody else to, to mm. not look to one player to try and make something happen or do something different. And I think that that's not a conscious thing. I think it's a subconscious thing that there are one or two who think right, just give it to Sorba and hope hope he makes something happen. And I think that is indicative of the sort of lack of creative players that town have got i think the second thing is as i said i don't necessarily think it's a sober thing i think that i i'm not going on any sort of inside info but i do think one or two players have had a slight reckoning in that they've realized this we can't just get away with blaming things on a manager or other circumstances there comes a point where we've got to pull our socks up and get ourselves out of this so but the other thing I think it's slightly important to say about Sorbet, he is a streaky player, as you said. When he what you have to do is really cash in on those times where he goes on those sort of five, six, seven game runs where I wouldn't say he's unplayable, but you know, every set piece is bang on the money. Um, you know, he's carrying the ball really well to take the pressure off and all those things we know he does really well. When he's not in form, he's sort of being such a visible member of that Huddersfield Town squad doesn't help him you know because mm. the, the optics of that are every, everybody looks to Sorber Thomas don't they he is front and centre of most things Huddersfield Town and has been for 18 months but I think the other side of this just to talk about Sorber himself he's played so much football Steve yeah, insane amount <laughs> he, he compared to anybody else he has played a, a nuts amount of football he had the the most minutes in the squad last season by quite a way. He, playing for Wales, he's been away to a World Cup and like having an extra week just doesn't cut it sometimes. What he really needs is a summer, like a normal, standard-length, proper summer with pre-season, I think, because he just... To me, he just looks a little bit mentally tired and a little bit physically tired. Not, you know, to, not they, to forget,
0: he he worked his socks off to get back from that injury towards yeah. the end of last season as well to be fit for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and he returned early in the summer, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I think you know, like I say, he has comparatively just done a huge amount of work. And I, like, foot, being a footballer is a brilliant profession, and you know we're all jealous that we weren't good enough to be professional footballers, mm-hmm. etc. But it, it is a job of work, and the workload is immense. And you know, as I said, he's he's been away to World Cups and on international duty when others haven't. He's he just looks to me like, uh, I mean, it's a weird thing to say, Steve. But in a in a way, the best thing he could do is a hamstring <laughs> and have like you know a, a month a month out of it and then two or three weeks getting back up to speed I don't want him to do that no, please don't take that as me saying I want him to do a hamstring An-
0: Analyst thing. analyst demands Huddersfield Town injury but it's, it's he just looks a little bit
1: you know as I said it's not about people will think when you say oh he looks tired people immediately go well you know there's that horrible well he's paid X amount a week he shouldn't look tired and all that it's not a conscious thing it's just when you've just you know everything's a little bit heavier from your touch to your to your legs as you're running etc and again it's not a conscious thing I'm sure if you asked him he'd tell you he felt absolutely fine but yeah I think there's a lot of contributing factors I th- I've seen some stupid things about Cristiano Ronaldo and Portugal mm-hmm. Huddersfield Town and Sorba Thomas Huddersfield Town needs Sorba Thomas yeah.
0: Let's let's not forget if Huddersfield Town hadn't had Saul Thomas the first two months of this season, they'd probably be effectively down already. Yeah, you, you know exactly. his his contribution in terms of his assists and and his work from set pieces, which was the only way they were scoring. They never would have reached the playoffs final last season without him. The amount of set piece goals he set up, um, not to mention you know several quite a few games where he was actively brilliant from open play. Um, but you know we're not trying to hide the fact he, he has been. Poor. Um, oh, I to, when he came on
1: yesterday, I thought I'll put it out there, Steve. When he came on yesterday, I thought he was terrible. Mm-hmm. I thought it was absolutely terrible. I thought he was he was that that's the worst I've seen him play in a long time. And he was like you could see from his body language, he was so frustrated with himself. He knew it wasn't it wasn't working. It it wasn't clicking. He knew himself. There was that free kick. I mean. I think he did it twice in the game. I think there's, there were two set pieces he just put straight out to touch. Yeah. And, I mean, that that but Thomas just doesn't do that.
0: Not twice in so a game. So he was off Maybe once. Yeah, he Maybe But Then he also had that one, you know, where he whipped brilliant whipped ball in that Helic nearly nodded in and Adebayo yeah. was very alert and basically blocked it as soon as Helic headed it. Otherwise, I think that would have been in. So, mm. you know, even when he's having a bad game, he can come up with, with something. Sorry, I've just had... I've, I've just had a sports
1: mix and it's just gone down the wrong way. And (laughs) that's why I couldn't talk then. Which which sport was it? it, I think it was a cricket bat. But while I have this platform, it's worth saying that since Maynards took over sports mix, they're a travesty and they need to give them back to Lions as soon as possible. And sports mix fans, if you're out there, what you really want is to find a shop that sells Lions and get on the football gums because that's what sports mix are now.
0: Right, there you go. Keep keep
1: Maynards out of sweets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've got a platform Steve I'm going to yeah, use yeah, it. Yeah 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 fine fine fine.
0: Yeah I, I think Sober as well I think he struggles to play with Kane Kessel Hayden. I think they are too similar. Yes. I yeah. would be quite interested and I'm surprised he didn't try this later on uh in the game when it became apparent that that he wasn't particularly you know that that uh, I would have been tempted to have put Etienne Kamara on for Kane Hayden if you're going to keep Tom Sauber on and have Sorber and Radoni up that right side because we know that Sorber and Sinani worked really well, and yeah. I, um, but I think you know there is a place for Sorbara Thomas. I think he'll come good again. But there's no getting away from the fact he's in a, a, a poor place at the moment. Um, and but you do,
1: I mean, he has he has had these lulls before, yeah, exactly. which is why I'm sort of sat here going broadly fine. You know, he <laughs> he'll play through it and he'll be absolutely fine. And before the end of the season. I'm sure he'll have a four or five game spell where he gets like three assists and two man of the matches.
0: Yeah, championship players, isn't it? You know, these players are playing championship football Mm. for a reason. And if they were playing brilliant every week, they wouldn't be championship players for very long, as we saw with with Lewis O'Brien. So, you know, not not to be sort of overly defensive about Sorba, but yeah, I think... I, I, I don't think I'm sort of at the point of east crap, get him out, sell him in January at all. No, which no, far from it. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll we'll see what, what January brings. Obviously, as I say, we mentioned the Matt Lowton link. Uh, we'll see what comes of that. And Florian Camberry is going to come in as well. We talked about him a few weeks ago, so we won't labour that. But we'll see what else the window brings. And going into the FA Cup now, you, you think make 11 changes, don't you, against Preston?
1: I, like, I hate teams that make changes for the FA Cup. To me, it's a very special and very important competition. But I just think this year, in the, the unique position Huddersfield Town are in, I mean, you've got to remember they still had eight players out yesterday and they lost Jonathan Hogg a half an hour in. I just, I just think when i say like play the b team you've got i'm not saying just a load of 17 year olds or anything you got to remember there's a lot of players on that bench who haven't been involved much at all this season and it's just a chance to get some mileage in one or two legs that perhaps haven't had enough i think and i just as i said i don't advocate it normally at all at all and people can go back and listen to our podcasts around fa cup games and they'll hear me saying that but I just think this very unique situation. If he made eleven changes for for the game, I would go absolutely fair enough. I don't think
0: anyone's gonna they'll they'll boo if they lose four nil or four one again. But I I don't think anyone's gonna really care about the FA Cup no. next week, are they? Apart from the the very sort of diehard uh, traditionalists, um, which
1: I uh, which I usually am. But I just
0: uh, bigger fish the, to fry, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and the squad's a bit threadbare at the moment. <laughs> like, If you go and play that team that's just played three games in eight days yeah. and then you start with the same unchanged sign and you lose two to hamstring injuries, that's a disaster. So why even risk it, really? Yeah,
0: My wife's just desperate for them to get through and for Wrexham to beat Coventry and then they can play Wrexham because we've just watched that all of that documentary over Christmas and now she's in love with bloody Wrexham. Yeah. Well my wife's
1: just in love with Ryan Reynolds well, mine, mind, is,
0: mine is now We hadn't seen him in anything apart from that one episode Of the X-Files where he dies in the cold open uh, Well To be fair
1: we We've watched loads of Ryan Reynolds films Unsurprisingly and every single one ends the same way Which is my wife looking at me And just mouthing the word why
0: uh what's your musical recommendation to start the new year? Uh
1: we be the crew, the guess who, the J U, R A S I C, Where in the Place to Be, it don't stop, it make got the rhythm that makes your fingers snap crackle. Pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Normally gets the show plus handle our business. Been listening to Jurassic Five a lot, Steve. Basically. That's what it comes down to. I love Jurassic Five, have done for years. Uh J five is is one of their Many superb albums, but it's a double album, so there's a lot to it. But I would, I would basically just go on Spotify or your your music app of choice and just pull up a playlist. Did you say Winnie the Pooh in there? No.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: We be the guess who? <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, my recommendation. Uh, I don't know why I did a noise like a creaky gate there. Yah uh, Yah Bay. There you go. You said I wasn't into. Hip hop a couple of weeks ago and it really upset me. Anyway, uh, Yaya Bay nice R and B album from last year. It's very uh, very chill. Uh, the album is Remember Your North Star. So that's mine for you. And we'll be back with you next time, I think, Dave.
1: Yes, please visit my website www. Please give sports gums back to sports mix back to lions.com lions.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, And thank you to everyone as well, by the way, who, after me talking uh, about my mental health a couple of weeks ago, has sent lovely emails and tweets, uh, because I almost forgot to mention that and did forget to mention it last week, but really, really genuinely appreciate it. So thank you very much. Uh, We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.